Check. Microphone check. All right, welcome back to another episode of Nothing in Particular. Got a lot to talk about today. Welcome to the podcast. Now listen to my intro. So it's official. I'm going to see a very polarizing individual tonight. Uh, a person who has created a big divide in the culture or maybe just illuminated us to the divide itself. Uh, that man would be Jordan Peterson. A man who, whenever people talk about him, they feel the need to preface it with, I don't agree with everything he says which honestly is one of the most cowardly and pathetic things you could say, because who in this world do you agree with on every single point? Honestly, who do you agree with on everything? Why should you agree with someone on everything? Of course, you don't agree with someone on everything. If you agree with somebody on every single point they make, you're a bot. And you haven't discovered how to think for yourself yet. You're just being fed information and you're just nodding along to it because you're, you're, just the archetypal slave mind that just gets conditioned into its reality and then just accepts it as that's what I am. You know, I'm a conservative or, you know, I'm a Democrat. I believe that, uh, you know, there's a million genders, like just stop, stop. Firstly, you shouldn't agree with everything anyone says. In fact, the whole point of listening to people oftentimes is to challenge your assertions. Secondly, who asked you? No one cares. Too many people have too many opinions about things and they just spit it out on the internet. Why don't you think about it, write it down, really think it through, list out what you believe. Why do you believe it? Why do you believe what you believe? Have you ever stopped for a minute to think about that? Or are you too busy running to the next dopamine stimulus? Too busy watching the next show? Too busy having the next opinion? Too busy getting outraged at the next world event or thing that somebody said? Stop for a minute, have a think, formulate your opinion wisely, criticize it, pick it apart, and then come back with a better conclusion and then offer your opinion. No one asked you if you agree with him on everything. No one even asked you what you agree with him on. And if you want people to ask you, then maybe you should be someone who has the kind of standing in your community where people come to you for your opinion. If you can't even be that, why should we listen to your opinion at all? And look, I love having chats with people. I love chats with anyone about anything. It's getting harder and harder because there's more constraints on my time now. There's more people who want my time. But I like to have a chat with people and I like to listen to what they say. And I can listen openly without judging them because I know they come from a certain place in life. But people's opinions about polarizing figures are often either all the way this way or all the way that way. You either hate them or you like them. And there's very few in-betweens or you just deride them completely because you can't muster up the courage to seriously comprehend what they have to say. And there's people who think that Mr. Peterson is a pseudo-scientific conspiracy nut. And anyone who labels people like that in general 
Nine out of ten times, they label people because they're unable to formulate counter arguments to the person. And it's much easier to just put them in a box and persecute them than to actually really think through what they're saying and see how you can apply it to your own life. Because our natural instinct is to defend ourselves. We've created a story about ourselves and we've dug ourselves into such a hole that whenever anything challenges our, you know, what we believe, our preconceived notions about how life works and how we should conduct our life, our instant reaction is to fight back. But why is the message resonating with so many people? Why is the message resonating with people from all walks of life? Hmm? Different colors, different creeds, different races. Why does it resonate? You have to take that seriously. If you don't take that seriously, you're a fool or you're scared, which, you know, really it's both. A scared person is a fool. They see enemies everywhere. They're unable to look past their own mortality. They're unable to look at themselves objectively. And looking at yourself objectively is a skill skill that requires a lot of work, but a skill that's very hard to develop because when you look at yourself objectively, there's a lot of pain surrounding it. And so I'm going to see Mr. Peterson and I'm not going to see him because I want to hear his opinions on things. I actually just want to see the man in real life. I listened to a lot of content back in his day and it helped me a lot in a time when I needed it. And I didn't act on all of it. Some of it I thought, no, this doesn't fit me. It doesn't fit my personality. I thought about it and I'm like, no, I don't think I can action this. I don't think this is a part of how I want to conduct my life. I'm not willing to pay the price of certain things that he suggests one should pay or the things he thinks you should do that requires a price to be paid. But many things I've taken to heart. The most obvious, clean your room. I try to keep my room clean. I've always been a messy person. And I've always just justified it as, oh, you know, I'm a creative type. I'm scatterbrained. I forget things. You know, I'm doing this and that. And it just, it's not as important to me. It started to become more important to me. And it's very helpful. It feels good to walk into a clean space. It's comforting. Take stuff off your mind, right? Because what he says is true. Your surroundings are an extension of yourself. Go look around your room right now. If you're at home, if you're in a place that belongs to you, have a look around your room and tell me that doesn't describe the contents of your mind. And if you can order those things, if you can start to set them in their place, then you get a better view of what's really important to you in life. And then you can move forward in a positive direction, in a direction that's going to be productive and fruitful towards the values that you hold, the things that you want from your life. This is very helpful. People see things like rules for life, myself included. I see rules, I go, oh, rules. I don't like rules. I break the rules as much as possible. I hate rules. I hate constraints. I hate people telling me what they think I should do. I don't like older people with their beliefs about how I should conduct myself. I don't like what the society tells me. And that's another point that I'll harp on about societal pressures. But... You need constraints in life. If there were no constraints, we would be existing in a morass of perception. Lights flashing, chaos, turmoil, or just imageless fields of gray. Just pure chaos. That's what it would be. But there's constraints, right? There's rules. There's gravity. There's physics. There's quantum mechanics. These rules behave in certain ways that allow us to start to slowly evolve biological creatures that can have these conversations that came from constraints constraints are a feature they are not a bug your flaws 
they're natural. They're a natural process that manifests as a result of constraints. You have constraints. You can't jump a certain height. You can't run a certain speed. So we admire people who push the constraints, the things that we believe to be impossible. We admire them. We admire Usain Bolt for his ability to run faster than anyone else we've ever seen because he's pushing constraints. But without those constraints, what would the race mean? If it was just a limitless race and he had to run forever until he died. Or if there was no, we just didn't record the times. Not important. Don't record the time. Do I have a world record? It would take away from the the specialness of the event. You need constraints. You need rules. When we play games, we make rules, don't we? What do you you want to play Monopoly and just everyone wins? Just keep going forever? Does the game ever end? Constraints are important. And so rules are important. And you decide what rules work for you and what don't. And guess what? You're going to come up against a society. That's just how it is. The narrative right now, it's based around how certain minorities are facing societal pressures. And of course, I empathize with that. Look, I was raised primarily by my mother. Okay, My dad, he did what he could, but he wasn't an ambitious, industrious guy. He had his own selfish traits that made it difficult for our family. And I love him to death, but that's the reality of it. But my mom worked her ass off to provide for us. I barely saw my mom. I saw my mom for a brief stint in the morning and then for a brief stint at night. Made my own way to school, made my own way home. In primary school, I would stay at the after school care until 6 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock. It was just how it was. My mom was working. She did night shifts. She would disappear. I'm sitting there watching TV on a Friday. My mom says, all right, I'm off now. Goodbye. Goodbye, mom. It's me and my dad and my siblings at home. And I understand the pressures my mom faced in her environment. It is what it is. She worked in a, she worked in the hospital and you come up a length, sorry, you come up against a lot of, I guess you could say patriarchal structures. Why not? A lot of doctors, older men, men with power, men with money, men with authority. My mom was bumping up against them all the time, having to deal with that, getting overlooked because of her female status. It's a thing. It's real. Of course, it's real. We all deal with it, though. There's many things that happen. When I first started in the workplace, it was really tough. I was young. I was in a masculine environment. And I hadn't quite learned how to say no yet. I guess in some ways, I was a little bit coddled. I wandered my way through high school. Didn't know what I want to do with myself. Just knew that I hated everyone around me. And I thought the whole system was ridiculous. Like, what do you mean I have to choose what I want to do with my life? There's so many different things that I want to do, but none of them involve this school system. And we're all coming up against these societal pressures all the time. I don't believe it when people say that it's a patriarchal thing. There's patriarchal structures, you could say. There's also feminine structures. Men and women, they work in different ways. Men's ways are more overt, right? Physical size, stature the way they talk to you, they're more assertive, they're more to the point, they're more direct, they're more confrontational. Men are more willing to go to violence. That's why most men are in prisons. Where's the patriarchal structures then? There's a whole slew, there's a giant population of underserved men. Underserved, not undeserved. It's entire swathes of them. I work with them all the time, men with bowed shoulders, weak knees, dewy eyes. Wife doesn't want a bar of them. I've been working the same shitty job for 20 years. 
overweight, skin's all crackled, pale, red. They drink. They can't wait to get off work, head up to the duty-free, go buy themselves a nice bourbon, drink their pain away. Now, you could say that's their fault. Of course you could. In fact, I would probably agree with you, save for the fact that you can only change to the level of perception that you're at, right? If you don't realize there's a problem or you don't realize how to change it or you don't re even realize that you're responsible, you can't change the problem. But deep down, ultimately, everything's our responsibility, right? Why should that not be the same for women? If women are as strong as you say, which they are, actually, which is the other thing, that you don't actually believe women are strong, which is why you're always advocating for them, always trying to save them, always painting them as the victim. It's just a fact of life, man. Like we're all going to come up against these things. All of us are struggling. We're all embedded in the myth of Sisyphus. And as Camus says, we must imagine Sisyphus happy. You must accept the tribulations facing you that we're all dealing with. We're all trying to get ahead. We're all trying to make money. We're all trying to improve. We're all competing with each other. We're all being told what we should do, what we should wear, who we should talk to, where we should hang out. At what age certain things become available to us. What we should be doing at those ages. Like everything that we do is prescribed to us by a system that has been around for thousands of years. This is not just appeared out of nowhere. This is a long, steady process, which just happens to be the way we've chosen to survive. And many good things have come from it. But you have to take the good with the bad. That's the problem with all these modern progressive philosophies. You must accept that every single decision you make will always lead to a dichotomy where there's good and then there's bad. And that would obviously be from your frame of reference because good for some people is bad for you, yet you will decry it as evil with a whole lot of conviction behind yourself, but with no real understanding of the situation. And it often happens that these people are young and there's nothing wrong with being young. However, when you are young, you see the world in a certain way and that changes over time. Do you see the world the same way you did when you were 15? Right When you're 20, of course not. You look back on the stupidity of that person and that transformation is happening all the time. And if you ever get to the point where your views are cemented and your conviction is completely stone strong, like a rock where you're unwavering in your belief, then you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You've become a stone. You need to be open. You need to be porous. You need to be available to new information. You need to be willing to change. You need to be recognizing your mistakes. You need to be willing to do all of these things because you're a process. You're constantly transforming. And so chaos is always going to be happening. So you want to try and develop a system of dealing with that chaos, perhaps even merging with it so that you can form order from it because you are the order and you are the chaos and you need both. Artists exist in the chaotic realm and then they bring order to it. That's why it takes a long time to become good at something because you're dealing with chaotic things that you're trying to bring order to, you're trying to make sense of, you're trying to bring us a, a sense of ease to. And that's with everything. That's why we have all these systems. That's why we have all these processes because people have done things before us and this seemed to be the best way for them to do it. And sometimes that changes and we find out there's a better way. That's normal. But to think certain groups have more difficulty than others. It's naive. 
it's all dependent on context. It's all dependent on perspective. It's dependent on where in the world you are and at what time. These things all matter. If you're of a certain ethnicity and you move to a country where the dominant ethnicity is different to yours, why would you expect that they're going to treat you the same? Unfortunately, humans don't work that way. For any of us, all of us deal with discrimination. It just depends on where you go. Pick a point on the map or just look in one direction and travel that way as far as you can. And eventually you're going to run into oppression no matter where you are, no matter where you started from. That's human nature. The outsider has always been a thing since we lived in little tribes. Of course it has. You're trying to survive. These things are inbuilt in us. They're wired in. It's in our DNA. It's been a fight, a struggle for survival since the very beginning. When has it ever been easy? At what point? And why should it be easy now? Say you're playing a game and this game has, it's a fighting game and you have two attacks that you can use and one defense. Eventually the game becomes easy, right? There's only so many patterns that you can create from such a small skill set. So when the variables are low, there's less complexity. Now think of the human brain, think of the human society. Now try and get a wrap, try and get your head around the fact that this is as complex as anything in the universe that we know. We are living with the most complex hardware in the universe, dealing with the most complex problems in the most complex society that this civilization, or rather I should say, this entire biological entity that is the world has ever produced. This is as complex as it gets. Now tell me, where is it going to be easy? Where's the easy part? So of course, people are trying badly and ineffectively often to come up with ways to make things better. The way to make things better is not to assume a victim role. And that's what a lot of these ideologies emerging and that's what a lot of these viewpoints emerging do. They create a victim role. It's all about what can I get from this situation rather than what can I contribute? It happens all the time. If you're in the workplace, the best way to get ahead in the workplace, one, become good at your job. Two, be nice to people, be gracious, but also assert yourself. What do you want? How much can I get with the power that I have right now? If you assume the victim role, sometimes you can win. Sometimes you can get that payout. You can get that comp. You can get that insurance. It happens. I've known toxic people in the workplace who just take, take, take days off. Everyone hates them, obviously, of course, because everyone's just so bad. Everyone hates you, right? It's definitely not you. There's definitely nothing that you're doing that these people dislike. And I've seen all sorts of people use all sorts of tactics to get away with doing less work, to get away with avoiding the difficult parts of the job, And sometimes it might work for you. However, there's a dichotomy. There's a downside. No one likes you. You hate your life. You hate your job. You start to feel a strange unease in yourself. Why don't I feel fulfilled? Why aren't I happy? Why don't I have any peace and contentment in my life? Why don't I have any meaning or purpose? Why don't I feel engaged with my life? It's because you're cheating it. You're being weak. You're being pathetic. You're being vulnerable. Sorry, rather, you're making yourself vulnerable. You're not being vulnerable. You're being the opposite. You're closed off. And that kind of attitude will never take you anywhere that makes you want to continue in that direction. 
You just start continuing in that direction out of habit because you've convinced yourself of the story you're telling yourself now. And that's why we look for systems. And that's why we try. And that's why we try to say, no, this is bad. This is good. And everyone's got their own way of doing it. Some people do it worse than others. However, if you think that the way to move forward in life is to try and think about everything that's wrong with life and all the reasons why you in particular are being targeted, you're a fool. Because I've seen all sorts of people from all walks of life make something of themselves. And you might say, well, I don't like the system. I don't want to make something of myself in the system. So what, you you propose a better system? Are you working towards making that better system? Or are you just trying to tear down the system that's here right now? There's always a dichotomy happening. If you're poor and you're just trying to survive, life becomes simple in a lot of ways. In many ways. All you need to do is think about where the next paycheck's coming from. When's the next bit of food coming? Where's my bed? And people will often do this. They'll remove themselves from society and live simple lives. And that's fine. But people always are looking to make their lives better. And there's a beauty in that. But the way to do that is to look at what you could do better. There's always going to be the marketplace pressure. It's always going to be societal pressure. As soon as you go somewhere where there's other people, as soon as there's other people involved, there's going to be pressure. And so you make a compromise with them and you have to make compromises all the time. That's just how it is. If you make no compromise, you end up in chains, you end up in jail, you end up being ostracized, exiled. You have to make compromises. And a lot of us can't see that. All that we can see is from our little vantage point where we feel like we're oppressed. Well, guess what? There's people who look nothing like you, who come from a background completely alien to your own, who are feeling the exact same way. And oftentimes for the opposite reasons to why you feel that way. So you're trying to make your life better by taking away what they have and they're doing the same to you. And thus emerges this constant battle between two domains of thinking, where of course the answer lies somewhere in the middle where we make an agreement, where we talk, where we compromise, where we chat. And the fact that people can't see this, it can be very frustrating, but I myself have to make that understanding clear in my own mind when I move forward, that there's always going to be these issues. There's always going to be people who can't things, think things through correctly, who can't express themselves well, who don't know what to say, how to say it, what to do, who don't know how to create a coherent argument and I have to deal with them as well. And I deal with them all the time. I have students. I can break something down as simply as possible. I can go over it three times. I can ask if they have any questions. I can show it again one last time. Walk it through. Take it easy. Then when it comes time for them to put it into action, they completely fall apart. It's like I didn't even teach them. They can't even remember it all. It's like it went in one ear out the other. What do I do? Do I get mad at the student? Do I tell them that they're an idiot, that they're useless? Do I tell them that they're oppressing me? Of course not. You deal with it. You manage. You practice patience. You practice compassion. You work on your teaching style. Is there any way I can cater to these people as well? And sometimes you just can't. Sometimes you just need to give them that extra time and care and attention. And you know what? Sometimes that's all they need because what happens is when they finally start understanding things, they start building confidence. And then when they start building confidence, 
They're more willing to fail. They stop overthinking things. They give things a try. Then when that starts happening, they feel a little bit more ease. And when you feel a little bit more ease, what do you do? You open up. And when you open up, what happens? You become more aware. You become more aware of the situation. You listen to people better. You don't, you don't create concepts out of them. You don't turn them into categories. You're there with them in the moment. You're more perceptive. You're more able to retain things. You're more able to understand things. You're more here with it. And then guess what? A snowball effect starts to take place. You listen better. You learn better. And then before you know it, all your struggles have elevated you to a new position. Do you blame the coach? Do you blame your parents? Do you blame the world? Do you blame your ADD or your ADHD? Is that the politically correct acronym these days? Of course not. You just keep working at it. You're guided by a mentor. And then before you know it, the snowball has grown into a giant boulder. And you're capable of so much more than you realized. And then it starts to spread to every area of, every, every area of your life. Excuse me. Start to see the ways in which you're lacking in other areas and the ways which you could improve that you've learned from certain activities that you've been doing because you've been getting better at them. If I can get better at that, considering how terrible I was, I can get better at everything. What are all the ways in which I can get better? What are the things that I did to improve myself before? How can I apply that elsewhere? And your life gets better because you're more open to it. Experiences become more full. You spend less time in your head. You're more there with people. You connect with them on a deeper level. You feel a deeper love for people, a deeper gratitude. Everything gets better. The world gets brighter. You start seeing solutions instead of problems all the time. You stop complaining. You stop overthinking silly philosophies created by people who are just degenerates in their life, but they use their philosophies as a shield. Well, it's all meaningless anyway. I can just be a degenerate. And it's no surprise that a lot of people behind many of these quote-unquote progressive, quote-unquote modern, quote-unquote Marxist philosophies, yes, I'm picking on those again, were degenerates in real life, lived in their mother's basement, paid children to have sex with them. Yeah, look up Foucault. Go look up what he was into. Look at their philosophies. It's simply a justification for the degenerate lifestyle that they lead. Many of these people were like that. What they used their philosophies for was not to work out what the issue was and how to fix it and how to live life better. It was just to make a rationalization for all their most base desires that they want fulfilled right now. And a lot of people can't understand that, that a lot of their philosophies just come from what they want to be true rather than what is true. But you have to be brave. In fact, courage is a necessity. It's a must. And you can only be so brave. You need to build your brave up like everything else. Quote, unquote, it's a muscle. Bravery is a muscle. Concentration is a muscle. Focus is a muscle. Not literally, of course. But these things can be built. I know what it's like to be afraid. Sometimes I still wake up sick with it, anxious. I remember I had panic attacks every night for a year. Think about how horrible your first panic attack was. Now imagine hundreds of them, day after day, and sleep won't even help you. You wake up and you feel sick. And you're like, not again. What do I do to stop this? How do I fix this? 
And guess what? If you keep the attitude that this is happening to me right now, it's not anyone's fault. Even though other people may have contributed to it, who's the one dealing with it? It's me. How do I get out of it? You start to get out of it simply by becoming aware that it's up to you and the solution's there. Even if the solution isn't obvious, is the solution to just kowtow to your anxiety? Just do everything at once? Be pathetic, be weak, quit your job, stay at home, play games, eat shitty food, don't shower, stay in your bed all day, lament the world, read philosophies that make you even more anxious because they make you feel even more powerless? Of course not. That's not the solution. Slowly you build your courage. You don't want to go to the gym. You feel terrible. You feel like absolute shit. You don't even want to be here. You can't even imagine a world in which you're not anxious. You can't imagine a time or place where you can be happy again because you see life how it is and it just makes you feel sick and weak. But then guess what? You go to the gym anyway because you know. A part of you knows somewhere that running, skipping, jumping, going to practice, lifting the weight up and down, it helps you a little bit. It makes you a little bit stronger. You did something that was a little bit brave and you know this on an instinctive level. You know it deep down. You don't know why you know it. Maybe you can't write a sentence about why you know it, but you let that guide you because you want better than this. Because you can see other people who've pulled themselves out of holes and what they do. And you want to follow in their footsteps. And sometimes their path is not your path. And you can't do what they do. And you don't want to do what they do. But you take little steps. And instead of using your philosophies to create this paradigm in which you're a victim, you use your philosophies to empower you. And when you empower yourself, you empower others around you. And it's that simple. There's no helping others without helping yourself. And if you can go to the mirror right now and look in the mirror and tell me that you're not just a caricature, you're not just a archetype prevalent in the culture, that you're just not standing there looking the same way that your tribe looks, dressing the same way, same piercings, same tattoos, same hairstyle. If you can tell me right now looking in the mirror that you're nothing like the other people around you, then you're on the right path. Because if you do look like everyone else, guess what? An ideology has possessed you. It's got you by the balls. And I say that to men and women. The ideology has possessed you and it's sunk its way into you. It's like a bot fly and it's wormed its way into your psyche. And you're believing what it says. And slowly it starts to grow out of you. And how you look starts to change. How you talk. The things you're into. The things you buy. The causes you support. And it can get to a point where it's almost like, oh, it's too late. This is who I am now. And people do get to that point and they'll fight to stay in that place because you know what hurts? Saying I was wrong. You know what hurts? Saying goodbye to those friends who don't serve you anymore because you know they're in the same hole that you're in. And you guys are all just justifying your hole because why not? It's easier. We're victims. But that's not really what you want. If you're still listening to this, that's not what you want. A part of you is responding to the idea that you can change and you can change for the better because you're looking for the truth. Do you think the truth looks like that? Do you think the truth looks like how your life is right now? Is that the truth? Is the truth that a thousand page philosophy book 
Is that the truth? A bunch of words jumbled together by someone overthinking problems that don't even really exist? Making them into problems? Looking so deep and finding problems everywhere because that's all you look for? Just a simple exercise. Look for solutions. Just try it for five minutes. If you hate it, go back. But even if you do that for five minutes, what solutions? How could I fix what's going on around me? You ask yourself that. How could I fix the problems in my immediate present situation? You know what it might look like? It might look like you start cleaning your room. But anyway, that's all I've got for now. All right. Much love to you all. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe. I'm going to be recording more episodes, kind of finding a good flow with my time management. And I've got a lot to talk about. At the end of the day, the truth of the matter is this inescapable, inextricable fact. We're all in it together. I need you. You need me. That's it. Thank you. Peace.